Good Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Well, I'm so excited that you're here with me today. We are in our third week of this series called Ancient Future. This is our theme throughout this year, this vision for the year that is to be, an ancient future. That as we look backwards, we get a little bit of a glimpse of What's going to happen forwards? We can look to some of the principles in our past and see some of the expectation and the promises for our future. Now, I think what could be possible for us as we do that is for some to think that the past represents the good old days. And so think, well, if I'm looking backwards, it must be that when I look back, I'm seeing the best thing that is. It's interesting, though, because in Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 43. Let me turn there real quick. Uh, Isaiah, there's this little phrase that I, I wonder if we could ponder today as we dive into this message. Isaiah 43 in verse 18. Here God says this, I want you to forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now springs up. Do you perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness. I'm making streams in the wasteland. What God is saying is this, that as you look to what is Ancient. As you look backwards and see the, the consistent nature of God, it's not telling you the exact things that will happen, but it's telling you about the nature of a God who keeps on doing new things. A God in relationship to whom we experience all things new over and over and over again. I love the promise in Hebrews that says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we look backwards, same God. We look forwards, the exact same thing we can expect, and it also promises that He is the same right here right now. So I just want to lay that groundwork so that nobody's thinking what I'm saying is the ancient past of 2018 when things were awesome. No, no, no. I'm not asking God to do the same things he's already done, but I'm asking the same God to repeat the the type of exploits that the world has seen and, and responded. He's truly amazing. Why don't we pray today? And then I want to dive into this topic. I really think it's going to be so helpful to each one of us. So let's turn our hearts in prayer. Jesus, we love you. We're grateful that you would meet with us, even right now in our homes, right now in, in small little house parties, right now a person watching on their device by themselves. We are united in this theme, and I, I pray right now that you'd speak to our hearts about what you want for us in this season and what we can anticipate for our future. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Hey, if you're taking notes today, I'm going to give you the, the title of today's message, okay? Are you ready? Wait for it. Uh, yeah, that was it. That was the title. Wait for it. Just wait for it. Wait for it. Waiting is probably nobody's favorite thing. It's certainly not my favorite thing. I don't love to wait. Uh, I, I was driving here today down to the office, and it was interesting that as I was making my way down here and getting ready for church and thinking about it, there was a, a driver in front of me, the type of person who who either has their foot press down on the gas or press down on the brake at any given time. And they were just kind of, and trying to dart in and failing to dart in and trying to to move in through a construction zone. And then they almost got hit by a forklift. And I was like, bro, you just need to probably learn to wait a little bit because the light that's like 20 meters from now is red anyway. You know what I'm saying? But I think it's a picture of maybe how a lot of us feel often in our lives. We're either slamming on the gas, trying to get somewhere, or slamming on the brake, trying to hold back 
from something. And I think consistency throughout scripture, we would see this, that God is calling us to wait. Today, what I want to do, I'm going to read a, a pretty long Psalm. Okay. And it's, I, I want us to catch an image that comes at the end of this poem. Now, now in the beginning of this poem, throughout it, there are actually quite a few beautiful pictures. There's some that you might say, ah, you lost me there. It got real geographical. I don't know the topography of the area that David wrote this psalm in, so it doesn't mean very much. But it's a poem, right? If something was interesting to you, you could dig a little bit deeper and find out why. But as I read this, I want you to do two things. Number one, if there's something that you love that speaks to you in this passage, would you throw it in the chat and say, oh, that verse right there? That's a good one. Number two, I want you just to wait for it. Because there's this image that comes at the end that's just so impacting. And it's from this very image that we're going to derive our message today. Okay? Sound good to everyone? Psalm 68. I'm going to give you a second to turn there. You know, sometimes as I'm preaching, I don't wait long enough for people to get there. And so instead of actually engaging in the message, you just sit back and watch me in the message. I want you to be with me in this. So Psalm 68 and, and you're going to see it. It's pretty long. I'm going to read the whole thing. I'm going to read it as a, a poem, a song, the way it was intended to be read. In fact, at the very beginning, it says this, For the director of music, a song of David, a song. He's like, this is how, how it's supposed to be. Don't just pick one word out of here. Sing this song. I don't know what the tune is, so I'm just going to read it instead of singing it. Ready? Here we go. It says this, May God arise. May his enemies be scattered. May his foes flee before him. May you blow them away like smoke. Uh, As wax melts before the fire, may the wicked perish before God. But may the righteous be glad. May they rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. Come on, right now, I think if we are really truly rejoicing in God, we should be happy and joyful. A lot of times people preach happiness and joy aren't the same. No, they're not. But they go perfectly hand in hand and we're called to both happy and joyful. If you like that verse. Throw it in the chat. Here we go. It says, sing to the Lord, sing in praise to his name, extol him who rides on the clouds, rejoice before him. His name is the Lord. He's a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is our God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. I know right now someone's putting that in the chat. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched Land. When you, God, went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth shook, the heavens poured down rain before God, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel. You have abundant showers, O God. You refresh your weary inheritance. Your people settled in it, and from the bounty, God, you provided for the poor. The Lord announces the word, and the women who proclaim it are a mighty throng. Kings and armies flee in haste. The women at home divide the plunder. Even while you sleep among the sheep pens, the wings of my dove are sheathed with silver. Now, we're getting real poetic here. If you like something, just highlight it. You can go back later and check this out. Verse 14. When the Almighty scatters the kings of the land, uh, it was like snow falling on Mount Zalman. Mount Bashan, majestic mountain. Mount Bashan, you rugged mountain. Why gaze in envy, you rugged mountain, at the mountain where God chose to reign, where the Lord himself will dwell forever? The chariots of God are ten thousands, thousands of thousands. The Lord has come from Sinai into his sanctuary. Now, I told you this was going to be a long song. 
I'm not going to apologize for it. You just got to wait for it. Wait for this image. Check it out. Verse 18. When you ascended on high, you took many captives. You received gifts from people, even from the rebellious, that you, Lord God, might dwell there. Praise the Lord to the God, our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. Our God is a God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes the escape from death. Surely God will crush the heads of his enemies, the hairy crowns of those who go out in their sin. The Lord says, I will bring them from Bashan. I will bring them from the depths of the sea that your feet may wade in the blood of your foes. Oh, wow. While the tongues of your dogs have their share. Your procession, God, has come into view. The procession of my God, the King, into the sanctuary. In front are the singers. After them, the musicians. With them are young women playing timbrels. Praise God in the great congregation. Praise the Lord in the assembly of Israel. There's a little tribe of Benjamin leading them and a great throng of Judah's princes. And there are princes of Zebulun and Naphtali. Summon your power, God. Show us your strength, O God, as you have done before. Is that your prayer today? God, do the things like you've done before. Show us your power. Because of your temple at Jerusalem, kings will bring you gifts. Rebuke the beast among the reeds, the herd of bulls among the calves of the nations. Humbled, may the beast bring bars of silver. Scatter the nations who delight in war. Envoys will come from Egypt and Cush, and they'll submit herself to God. Here we go. We're almost done. I told you to wait for it. Here it is. Sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth. Sing praise to the Lord, to him who rides across the highest heaven, across ancient heavens, who thunders with a mighty voice. Proclaim the power of God, whose majesty is over Israel, whose power is in the heavens. You, God, are awesome in your sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God. I just want to commend you. We just read a pretty long passage of scripture and probably a percentage of it was really awesome for you. A percentage of it left you completely confused and there might have even been a few things that felt offensive, but that's actually how the word of God is. Like God's really real. He's really straight up. His purpose is not to make our life comfortable, right? It's actually to bring us into freedom. So we can ponder some of those things, but I want us to catch that one picture, a God who rides on ancient heavens. Oh my goodness, what a beautifully penned picture of God. A God who rides upon ancient heavens. Other translation says he rides on ancient skies. I want to unpack that a little bit. I just think it's so powerful. It's so poetic. And I think it speaks to the nature of God. I want to to show you how. Number one, it says of God that he is all powerful. There is no one else who rides on the skies. Someone might ride on the sky train, but nobody rides on the skies, right? Like we all get ourselves places where we need to be in one way or another. But God, he rides on ancient heavens. How powerful is God? I want you to write this down. God is all powerful. He's got all the power. He is completely supreme. There is nothing happening on on the earth today or in the galaxies today that God is unaware of. There is nothing happening that is out of the scope of his incredible, perfect point of view and perspective. God is completely in control. You might be in a situation where things seem out of control, but that's only the perception that you that you have. God is completely all powerful and his power speaks to his ability He can work on our behalf. In fact, he's shown through history 
that he loves to work on our behalf. One of the reasons that I think this song is so powerful in worship, even though it says things like the rugged mountain bastion and it talks about, you know, enemies being destroyed and all those things. What's so powerful is that it points a picture. Here's a God who rides on skies, like the ancient skies. He is all powerful. You need to know in your situation right now, God's worth waiting for because he is all powerful. The promises that he has made, he will always keep because he is all powerful. Number two, I think this this image, this picture, it speaks to the fact that God is not only all-powerful, but He is all-present. Like God is everywhere right now. I remember being a kid and learning about inviting Jesus into my life or the image of like into my heart. The Bible says in Revelation that the Lord is knocking on the door of your heart and He's speaking your name, which is a pretty gentle picture of a God who rides on ancient skies but is still so present that He knocks on the doorway of your heart and speaks your name. But I remember used to think, well, how can, how can Jesus be in my heart? And then I read in the Bible that He's also in heaven. And I'm trying to, to, to grapple with these two things. Well, here's the answer. He is all present. A God who rides upon the sky is literally everywhere. And so no matter how dark your situation seems, it's not outside of the presence of God. Guess what? Wherever you are, God is there. Even in your brokenhearted state where he said, well, where's God now? Well, the Bible actually promises that God is near to the brokenhearted. As you're struggling through something right now, God is not far off. In fact, he might be just as close as your next breath. God's all present. He's all powerful, which speaks to his ability. He's all present, which I think speaks to his willingness. He's always there when we need him. I remember when I was young, the very first song I ever wrote, I think I was about seven years old, and the song was titled, God is My Friend. I think it was a pretty great title. The theology is phenomenal. And it had a line that I thought rhymed so well, and now the Paw Patrol has stolen. Uh, when I'm in trouble, he's there on the double. It sounded so good when I was seven. I loved singing that about God, that whenever I'm in trouble, he's there on the, on the double. God is so present that, that what we're going through is never in his blind spot. Are you following with me? That, that as God is on the move, it's not like we're stuck in the blind spot somewhere and God goes, sorry, I, I just missed it there. I missed that whole thing. That, that, that heartbreak he went through, Sorry, I was, I was watching, uh, you know, a, uh, natural disaster in another part of the world at that time. I totally missed that you were heartbroken that semester. Oh man, that job struggle you're going through. I'm so, I'm, I'm really sorry. Imagine that if God apologized to us. I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. I was just busy. There was like unrest in another nation and I was trying to help bring some peace there. God is so powerful. He's all powerful, but he's also so near. He's all present. Number three, I think it speaks to this, that God is not just all present, He's not just all powerful, but He's all knowing. Think about that. If God rides upon the skies and He sees everything, He knows what's going on. I wonder if sometimes my prayer life sounds like I'm giving God a, a, a quick little synopsis of the plot. Okay, God, let me catch up to speed. Since we last talked. Uh, here's a few of the things that have taken place. It's kind of funny, isn't it, that we're describing to God our situation when He is the one who rides on ancient skies. He's the one who actually is all-powerful, who is all-present, and He's really, truly all-knowing. In fact, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, it says this, The eyes of the Lord are looking about the whole earth for the hearts of those who are committed 
that he might come and strengthen them. What a picture that this all-powerful, all-present God is also all-knowing. So much so that he knows our heart's intention. And he sees a committed heart and he goes, I'm going to come give that power. I'm going to pour some power into that circumstance and situation. Not because it was earned. Not because it was deserved. Not because they trained themselves to be powerful. I'm going to come bring my power because I see a commitment of the heart. In fact, other parts of scripture say this, God can actually know our intentions. So, so we can fool some people. We can say, oh, I, I, I didn't mean it that way, but God actually judges our motives. We, we can sometimes, you know, in, in a very gregarious way, do a kind deed and, and really we're doing it for the Instagram pic. But God measures the motives of the heart. He's all powerful. He's all present. He's all knowing. Like, like this, this God that, that David is singing about, that we just spent some time singing about, that, that our lives are, are rotating around and revolving around this God. He is everywhere and he has total ability and he shows compassion because he knows it all, the intimate details of our life. The fourth thing I think it, it says about God is, is in that word ancient. God is all powerful. He's all present. He's all knowing. Always. Come on, if you're taking notes, write that down. Always. Always. Not just the skies, but ancient skies. God is not just the one who rides the sky today and it looks up and it's like a sky riding airplane that goes, you know, I love you. But God has been telling us since before the foundations of the earth were laid that we matter, that he loves us, that he's for us. I, I, I love taking time to look at science. One of my favorite new follows on Instagram is NASA. And it's just some of the pictures they have are unbelievable. And, and, and seeing the vastness of this universe that we've not even really begun to scratch the surface of. Do you know the farthest star that has been located, at least from my most recent look, is a star called Icarus, which is 5 billion light years away. Me meaning, when observed, what was being observed happened an immeasurable amount of time ago. And light has been speeding forward for all that time just to reach us for someone in a massive telescope to observe and say, I see something that happened unspeakable amounts of time ago. And God has been riding on that sky since the moment he said, let there be light. Before there was time, God was. You see, he's not only all-powerful and all-present and all-knowing, but he is always. This word ancient in, in English would speak only to what has has come backwards. But in, in Hebrew, the word actually encapsulates all of the past and all of the future. Woo! This gets me so pumped that, that a God who speaks the worlds into existence, a God who, I, I believe it's in Isaiah, it says he calls out the, the stars by name. He named Icarus, this five billion light years away star. He's like, I'm going to call you Icarus. Oh, like God has always been all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing, and always. And he's never going to change. And his nature and kindness towards us is never going to change. I want us to understand today that that always peace, it speaks to the patience of God. Come on, if you're taking notes, write it down. God is, he's patient. 
Because he's always been. It proves his patience. Isn't that interesting that a being could be all-powerful, all-present, and all-knowing and still choose patience? Here's why I think that's interesting. Because when I need to wait, I've often linked that to the brokenness of my humanity. When I'm forced to wait for something, I've often connected that in my mind to, oh, it's just because I'm in a broken, fallen world and I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner and I'm weak and I don't know the answers. If I knew everything and could do everything and was everywhere, I'd never have to wait. But the truth is God in His goodness, perfection, has chosen patience. Could it be possible that when you and I have to wait, it's not a picture of our broken humanity, but it is actually us experiencing and expressing part of the nature of God within us? Could it be possible that waiting is one of the most godly things that we'll ever do? And meanwhile, while we're waiting, we're like, I'm such a loser. I haven't figured out this answer yet. I'm still weak. I'm still struggling. Could it be that in that waiting, we're actually expressing the nature of God on the inside of us? His patience? Look, look what it says here in 2 Peter chapter 3. I'm going to bring this all to a conclusion here in just a moment. I told you you're going to need to wait for it. In 2 Peter chapter 3, look what it says about the patience of God. Uh, verse 8, it says this, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, that with the Lord a thousand years, or sorry, a day, is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow to keep His promises, as someone would understand slowness. Instead, He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God's not slow, He's just patient. Like, like if you've been praying for something that has not yet happened, it's not an indication that God's not powerful. It's not an indication that, that God is not present. It's not an indication that God doesn't know. It's actually just an indication that God always is. So he's patient. He is answering that prayer. He's just doing it on his timeline. And, and to God, a thousand years in a day, there is no difference because when you're eternal, both are so finite and you're infinite. So, so he's above it all. He's been riding these ancient skies for a long time. Man, every night you can look out at the stars and you can see an evidence of a God who has always been. And that light shines down on you for a little moment. You're like, oh, that's beautiful tonight. Wow, great, great sky tonight. That sky that you're seeing is unspeakably old. And you're experiencing it for a moment of beauty. So maybe we just need to get better at waiting. Like really, truly better at waiting for the future. Part of being a visionary, part of seeing a picture of the future is a necessity to develop more patience. Have you ever prayed the prayer, God, give me more patience? Uh, I think Jennifer prayed that prayer about 20 years ago. <clears throat> We've been married almost 20 years. God has been answering her prayer now for 19 and a half years as, uh, as she's learning more patience. But have you really ever prayed that prayer, God, give me more patience? And then he does. And you're like, I don't want patience that bad. Kind of would like quick answers to things. I'd kind of like you just to, to move on things real quick. There's so much power in waiting. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 40, turn there with me, and with this, we're bringing it all to a conclusion. Isaiah chapter 40. Hope you're doing good today. Hope this is helpful for you. 
says this in, uh, in verse 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard that the Lord is the everlasting God? Again, he's always. The creator of all the ends of the earth is all powerful. He, he doesn't grow tired. He doesn't grow weary. And his understanding, no one can fathom. He's all knowing. He gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. Why? Because he's all present and he sees us when we're at our worst. It says this, even the youths grow tired and weary and young men will stumble and fall. But those who hope or wait in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Power comes through waiting. Waiting on a God who is all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing, always. And we can experience the nature of His power in our life if we would just wait for it. And waiting's difficult. I want to show you right now, okay? I'm just going to give us one minute to wait. Before I make my next point, I'm going to give you one minute and sit down with me, okay? Enjoy this. Here we go. That was one minute. How can one minute feel like an eternity? How is it the time is so quickly slipping through our fingers and we go, whoa, it's already five o'clock. Whoa, it's already, you know, November. How did this happen? How can that possibly be when one minute of waiting is painful? Was it awkward for you? Like, be really honest. How many of you went to another task? Anyone check their texts? Anyone open a new window? Anyone start fidgeting? How about, how about in your mind? Like, like how many people your mind went to another thing? Maybe for some a really positive place. Something you're hoping towards. Maybe for some a really dark place. Something that you try not to think about very often. In fact, if you're watching this after the premiere on demand, I wonder how many people said, I'm just going to skip ahead a minute. This is too awkward. And it was one minute. One minute. You see, here's the thing that happens in our waiting and what robs us of the power that God has for us. This God who rides on ancient heavens, all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing, always. He wants to share His power with us. And what robs us of that is, is that while we wait, we worry. And worry and waiting are not congruent. Like, like you can wait without being patient. Time can pass and you never learned the value of actually waiting because waiting speaks to hopeful anticipation. It's possible to wait and never really get the power of God because 
We spend all of our time waiting in worry. Why do we worry? Well, we question whether God is all-knowing. Or what about doubt? You spend all your time in in waiting, just doubting. Ah, God's probably not going to come through. It's probably hopeless. Why do we doubt? Well, we question that God's all-powerful. For some of us, it just leads to straight-up movement. We're like, i got to keep going and doing somewhere, and we never truly stop. And so time's passing, sure, but we're never actually just being present. Why? Because maybe we... We question God's all presence. And so we're like, well, clearly where I'm at right now is not where God's at. So I got to keep on frittering around and trying to solve this thing myself. And maybe for a lot of us, we just plain become distracted, which questions that God is always. And we ask of something and one minute passes and we're out. We, we lean into God with hopeful anticipation and in one six month period and we, we give up. We, we hear God put a dream on our heart, and instead of pursuing it, we're like, ah, oh, it's going to be too hard. But God has always been, and He's not slow. He's just patient. Vivid, I want us to, to get this. I want us to understand that waiting, it, it's like our superpower. Waiting is where we experience all the power of God. Think of it. A God who has always been, who knows it all, who is everywhere, and has all the power over all of it. That God wants to share His power with us in our brokenness, in our situation, in our circumstance. Man, it makes sense why in this poem filled with the imagery like a God who rides on ancient skies that it's all a song of worship. Why? And this is where I close today. I told you to wait for it. This is it. If you get one thing, grab this. That the only real action that is congruent with waiting is worship. That's it. That's all. If God really is all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing, and always, the only thing that I can fittingly do while I wait is, is develop a more keenly sensitive heart of worship. To develop a heart that is pouring out my adoration and my praise towards God. Not waiting for God to act as if I have leverage over Him and, well, you haven't done anything. What have you done for me lately, God? But no, 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 just, just waiting. Something so good about slow. There's actually something so good about slow. It's interesting, isn't it, that, that if people have to wait for something, it's only romantic after it happens. Like, like a, a, a sporting community that has waited a long time for a championship, that long waiting is only romantic after it happens. The Dodgers won a World Series this year, 32 years in the waiting. Some of the most incredible fans. I've been to so many Dodgers games and enjoyed Dodger dogs with, with people waiting for a long time. There's nothing romantic about those years of waiting until the victory comes. And then it's all the sweeter. We waited for this. We waited for this moment. And there's something about it. I, I'm about to go eat some incredible ramen. I'm getting someone hungry right now. And, and why is it that handmade ramen is better than the stuff that comes out of the bag? Well, it's the waiting. It's the process. It's the ancient recipe that's been passed down and a broth that has been meticulously made, time spent so that what can be had is more enjoyable. Think of a painting. It's not very romantic in the process. In fact, it's like watching paint dry. But but a masterpiece of art takes a long time. And at the end, the whole process is romanticized. Right? Wow, that took 12 years. No wonder it's so incredible. Well, think of your life. Here you are in the middle of the waiting. It doesn't feel very romantic right now, but... But when God answers, a God who's all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing always, 
when he comes through in that thing you've dreamt of, that thing you've hoped for, that thing you've longed for, and he pours strength into your broken situation and he allows you to soar on wings like eagles, I'm telling you, it's going to be such a miracle. It's going to be such a breakthrough. So right here, right now, we're simply going to turn our hearts towards worship. We're going to need to fight worry. We're going to need to fight distraction. We'll probably need to fight against doubt. We'll probably need to fight against that anxious spirit that just causes us to be busy. Do you know, busyness is an indication that we lack patience. Think about it. We're busy because we just can't be patient waiting. And so how do we develop a heart that waits? We develop a heart that worships. And so even right now, the team's going to come back and lead us in a time of worship. And as they prepare, I want to invite you right now. If this is you and you don't know Jesus, this is your moment. He's knocking on the door of your heart. You don't need to wait any longer for salvation. This, this relationship with him is going to be beautiful and long, but you're one of the people God's been waiting for. And he's been expressing his patience towards. I want to lead you in that prayer right now. You can pray a prayer simply like this. Jesus, I give you my life. I trust you with my future. I thank you that you are here now. Hey, you, you pray a prayer like that, a prayer of repentance, a prayer of receiving God, and your whole destiny is now being rewritten. God has an incredible future in store for you. We love you, and we would love to walk those steps out with you. Let us know if you prayed that prayer today. And now for all of us, wherever you are, if, if you're able, would you stand up where you're at? If you're able, would you lift your voice where you're at? Let's begin to, to worship. Let's turn our attention and all of our praise towards a God who's all-powerful, who's all-present, who's all-knowing, and who is always. God, we look to you, and in you we find our hope. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.